Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. Our mission here is to help you take the next step in developing your relationship with God. We do here what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a bit different than what you're used to, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to guide and encourage you in your weekly walk with Him. This Sunday, we're kicking off a new series that's called Mondays Matter. And part of that kickoff, we're having some extra fun outside. Hopefully, you saw a little bit of it. And it's called Cabin Fever, uh, Warmish Things to get you excited because I think we're all sick of being inside, especially after yesterday, the yuckiness of the rain and nastiness. So we're pushing to get outside. So we have hot chocolate out there, we have chili, we have like some of those propane fires, we have some activities, bag toss, volleyball toss, and axe throwing for 12 and up. Each one is a challenge though to try and score the highest to win one of these super sick flannel hats. Hey, I even have my matching flannel on so that I can present this well. But in reality, there's actually a hat that you can win if you have the highest score. And then there's also gift cards, Amazon, Menards, uh, and I think there's one for Quick Trip. So uh, give it a shot out there. But we have all this fun stuff out there uh, because... Because we want to give you an opportunity to connect with other people. Not only do we want to help you grow in your relationship with God here, we want to have you have a chance to connect with other people. So this is an event for you to kind of say hey to someone you don't know, or maybe just show them up in a challenge and get some bragging rights or something. I don't know. But with that, though, we have this brand new series that we're starting today, and it's called Mondays Matter. Because does anyone dread Mondays? Who's here with me? Who dreads Mondays? As a church, uh, just I was kind of doing a, a view of it. We have doctors, teachers, cashiers, cooks, small business owners, people in sales, insurance, stay-at-home parents, bankers, nurses, HR, line workers. Uh, we have online workers. We have IT people. We have managers, and on and on and on. There's so many different options. It's amazing how diverse this church really is. Yet what's not diverse is the Monday lull. Like, the Monday struggle is a real universal thing almost in every job, whether you feel your job is extremely purposeful or not. Like, it just feels sometimes there is not enough coffee for Mondays. Who's there with me on this, at least a little bit? All right, more of you than last service, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm still waking up. Monday's tomorrow. I'm getting nervous about it. Well, for fun, <laughs> this week, I thought I would just try to look up why. I'm a why type of person. Like, really, why are Mondays the worst? I'm the type of guy that wants an answer so I can combat it and fight it and beat it. So trusty Google gave me a ton of results from probably super reliable sources that I've never heard of before. And this is what I saw. Like, I saw this article, and I'm like, I got to look at this one. So trusty Google gave me, like, uh, this article, and they have six reasons why scientifically Mondays are worse than other days. I'll, I'll read them for you here. So your sleep patterns, sleep patterns are off, right? Imagine daylight savings time every week. You, you stayed up maybe a little later on the weekends, and then all of a sudden you're back to normal on Monday. It throws you off. Maybe the second one is you're back to socializing. You're away from your, your work buddies, and it's two days away from them, and all of a sudden you kind of like, do they still like me? Are we still like close? So you have to like rekindle that every Monday. You're experiencing more of a sudden change compared to other days. You go from Sunday fun day, woo, we just had cabin fever at church, to 
Monday, right? Work day. That's way different than going from Monday to Tuesday, right? Those are different. And statistics say that Mondays are no more stressful or they're, not, they're, they're equally as hard as any other day. So the change is purely in us. Uh, you maybe feel worse about being out, uh, feel worse about yourself because you were out late. You're like, ah, I feel like I was out too late. I ate too much. I just did maybe drank too much. So you feel worse about yourself on that on Monday. And not only that, you actually are less healthy because we tend to eat more, we, we drink more, we sleep less, so you actually are less healthy. And then finally, uh, it's because you don't like your job. You don't like your work. Gallup poll says 70% of people hate or at best are completely disengaged from their job. Now again, I don't know how reliable source this is, but I, knew, I do know from experience Mondays are not the most enjoyable. And the point we're hitting on hard in this series is many of us just do not like the work we do. Again, 70%. Whether your Monday's at home with the kids, in an office, on the line, online, or at some place of work, Mondays can be rough, work can be rough. Yet the work you do, your daily life, how you spend your time, not just your Sunday, not just your free time, it matters to God. God wants us to live purposefully and not just survive or get by. Since the beginning, God actually designed us for work. Genesis 2.15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God is intended for us to work since the beginning, but it's never meant to be this miserable, purposeless, lack of fulfillment type of work. God has purpose for work, all work. So in this four-week series, what we're going to cover is today we're going to talk about how there can be purpose in all work. Whether you hate or love your job, you can find purpose in it. Next week, we're going to talk about how exactly you can find God's vision for your life and help you find work you love. And then week three, we'll talk about how specifically we are to work as a follower of God, as in what character traits are priority. And then lastly, how what you do alone, your small role, if you do it well and honorable to God in whatever you do for work, it truly can change the world. So I don't know about you, I want clarity on those things. I want God's vision on those things. Uh, and I think it would help a lot of us, right? Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't it be easier if we knew there's purpose in what we do? Don't you want to love work or be aligned with God's vision for your life? Don't you want your time working to be well spent? I know I do. So if you're looking for purpose, this is a series for you. Now, you might be here and you might be thinking instantly, what does this millennial-like pastor know about work? Pastors work like one day a week. What does this guy know? Well, first off, I work more than one day a week. <laughs> but I've had a fair share of other jobs, right? Uh, I've been a dog poop picker-upper. Uh, I was a boat detailer, disgusting, like cleaning people's boats that have been sitting all, all season. I was in food service for a little bit. I was a teacher. I taught second grade for a bit. I, was a middle, I taught middle school gym, and my office was in a boy's locker room. And yeah, the smells and the lack of sunlight y'all are thinking about right now is true. It's true. It's very real. I've been in various pastor roles over the last 10 years, but in addition to being a pastor, I still to this day, after 10 years of doing it, I also have the side job of cleaning buildings for a few hours a week. The toilets, the floors, the messes. Now, I happen to do this job on Mondays, Monday afternoons, so it feels like a Monday-like job 
every Monday. It's brutal. Uh, but last week was especially Monday-ish for me, as in really bad. Uh, it started by me grabbing the bleach spray, and I grab it, and boom, the spray drops, and bleaches my black shoes to now become white shoes. That was brutal. Uh, the toilets I had to clean had some crusties on it. There were leaky septic pipes that were like leaving residue on the floor be below that I had to rub out. There was a smell. Have you ever been in a room and you're like, it smells like chili in here. You know, <laughs> maybe that's what you're thinking, but it smells, and it smelled like urine. It smells. Where is it coming from? And, you know, you, you had to, like, get down, and then, oh, I found it. Yep, you know, it's right there. Like, I had to do that. So that happened on a Monday. A garbage bag broke on me. It was just not a good day for me. Y'all have been there. You know what it's like. The same goes with some days here at church. The days can be long and rough. Like, days I have to deal with a giant project. Days I have to take work home, and it interferes with home life. Days where I have to deal with crabby people. Days where my head is pounding because I feel I'm just not able to do it all. Again, this is me, and I get it. This maybe seems light in comparison to a role maybe you're dealing with or struggling with or doing today. And I don't want to pretend I know exactly what you're going through. But there are some jobs, I do agree, that are just brutal. I mean, there's a whole show about it, right? It's called Dirty Jobs. Who's seen the show before? Here's a little clip of it just so you get a glance of some of the like nasty jobs out there. Check it out. My name's Mike Rowe. And this, and this, and this, is my job. Dirty Jobs returns with a brand new season. Don't try this at home. I'm not having a great time. We don't do second takes. Ow! We don't do a lot of planning. We don't do a lot of scouting. There's no scripting. There's no writing. There's no actors. It's an honest look at work. See, I'm doing something through the lens of an honest day. Strap. Yikes, right? But even still, whether you have a dirty job like that, because some of those look brutal to me, tough, monotonous type of job, or just a job or role you do not like, you can still find purpose with it through God. Even in the worst jobs, there can be hope, there can be satisfaction, there can be meaning. There can be fulfillment in jobs that are so boring or maybe lacking in prestige. Even if your supervisor's insane in your mind, even if you can't stand your coworkers, because of God, you can find joy in your job. Throughout this four-week series, we're going to look at this guy named Nehemiah, and he actually has his own book in the Bible. You want to guess what it's called? It's Nehemiah. Um, but Nehemiah, he's in the Old Testament, and the book's in the Old Testament, and it's after a time where God's chosen people were conquered by the Babylonians, uh, and many of God's people were forced to leave their hometown, which is Nehemiah's story. It's in 536 BC, or 539 B.C. The Persians just defeated the Babylonians, and they absorbed the land of Israel and Judah, God's people, and they decided to let God's people return home, rebuild their temple, reestablish their city, and, and make the walls and everything back to normal again for them. So that's starting to happen. And while this is happening, Nehemiah was working in a nation. He was exiled. He's working in a nation that wasn't his own, probably hoping to get back soon. His role wasn't bad. Honestly, at first glance, I feel it's pretty lackluster, like his job. He wasn't like a pastor, a priest, or a prophet, or a warrior, or a king, or a leader, like we normally read about in the Bible. He was just one ordinary person. He was a cupbearer, is actually his role. Or in today's language, how I picture that is, he was a wine taster. He tasted wine for the king. Nehemiah 1.11, I was a cupbearer to the king, it says. Some of y'all are like, rough job? Please, 
I would love to be a wine taster. Who's there with me right now? Some of y'all are thinking, like, my wife would love to be a wine taster. You know, maybe that's what you're thinking. I don't know. But can you imagine having to taste, like, 10 Cabernets? You'd pass out by, like, 5 p.m. You know, like, you're tasting all these for the king. If the downfall of this job, being a cupbearer, is, you know, death, right? Death. Because back then, people would try to take out the king through poison. Obviously enough so that there's a position that tests the king's wine and serves the king's cup. I mean, it's a job that I hope at least has good like insurance benefits if you do get sick, right? So Nehemiah, his, he's in this average kind of lackluster role. And I'll remind you, he's serving a king whose values are very different than his own. Different nationality, different religion, different family, different hometowns, different cares of the world. Well, Nehemiah, he hears things aren't going well at home, and it's not going well in the rebuilding of the city, his hometown. It says this in Nehemiah 1, 2 through 3. One of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. We're going to spend all series kind of analyzing and, and looking at Nehemiah. So I don't want to give all the details away, but I want to summarize his story for you a little bit. Uh, Nehemiah, how he responds, it says this, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. He then goes to the king, his boss, and he says this, if, it's, if it pleases the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And please, give me a letter also addressing the Aspa, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber too. I will need to make it, take it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for the house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. He gets the stuff he needs, and he starts rebuilding the walls, and he does. He starts rebuilding the walls to protect God's people, his people. Definitely read the, chap the next couple chapters of Nehemiah, or the first couple chapters, because we'll be like looking at this all series long, all month long. And we'll cover it too here on Sundays, but it's definitely worth the read. But what you can see is Nehemiah was placed in a time and is on course to do something big for God. But he did it starting in what I want to call a meh job. You know, like, meh, it's okay. A meh job. Many of us feel we are in meh jobs right now, right? Yet like Nehemiah, what could you be used in your meh job? What could God be preparing you for? For you, maybe you're dreading being at home with the kids, but you're being used by God to prepare your children for world impact. Maybe you're, you can't stand the people you work with right now, but you are meant to connect someone else to the right place at the right time, and that's why you're there. Maybe your work is not something you're passionate about, but the skills are grooming you to do something bigger. Maybe you are just dreading work so much, yet it provides for your family and you're able to do some amazing ministry impact through that. God can use all occupations, all types of work, big and small, for purpose. He uses Nehemiah, some kind of average type of dude in a meh job for purpose. 
And I think many of us can relate to Nehemiah in work that maybe isn't our ideal place, in work that's not really with the ideal people we'd like to work with, in not the most purposeful role, maybe even with people that we don't align with on values or religion or beliefs. Yet I think there's four things that we can learn and observe from Nehemiah's situation to apply to our own situation to help us see that work can be purposeful no matter where you are. The first one is, is God has designed us to work. It's a reminder of this. God has designed us to work. Nehemiah, whether his role was good or bad or fun or boring or purposeful or not, he was designed to work. He's in exile away from his hometown, yet he chooses to embrace God's calling for him to work instead of just living and getting by. Now, again, the verse that we looked at, it says in Genesis 2.15, the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The word work in this verse that is used in, it's written in Hebrew originally, is used, it's the same word that's used many times in when they refer to serving or doing. God's design for us is to work, to serve, to do. All actions that involve movement, right? All those things involve movement and effort. As you think about your job and finding joy in it, you might just be combating the fact that you just don't want to work, right? I'm not implying that you need to have a job to work as God describes in Genesis, but you might be struggling with just not wanting to do anything. Being lazy is a wrong action. I mean, it's a sinful temptation we experience. There is a temptation to be sloth-like. Proverbs 13.4, it says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I think we've all been the sluggard before or desired to be the sluggard, even, even a little bit at times. I know I have. There, there are nights I'm hoping to get a ton done at home. Like, I'm going to get so much done. It's going to be so amazing. And then, like, Sydney and I get this message, right? Are you still watching? Like, oh, I guess it's, it's been four hours? You know, like, that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Seriously? Uh, now, as I think about that, it's not wrong to watch shows our April message or series that we're going to do in April is actually all on rest and learning how to rest the way God wants. Yet I think for many of us, it's so easy to get caught in night after night of TV, watching, laying around, so much so that we crave to do it in the morning and the daytime every day sometimes. We were designed to work. And to be sloth-like is easier than working for many of us. It's the path of least resistance once you get a taste of it and you're tempted by it. If work was always fun and easy, you wouldn't have to get paid. You would just do it anyways, right? You do it all the time. Now you might be thinking, geez, Aaron, like you're hitting kind of hard on this. You're maybe hitting hard on the retiree or the stay-at-home parent or the person who just doesn't need a job. Are they living in sin? Is it wrong to desire those things? Not at all. It's not wrong at all. If that's you, though, your work maybe is in developing your children. Maybe it's in volunteering. Maybe it's in serving. Maybe it's in getting things set for your family. Maybe it's serving your community. There could be a ton of different work-like things you do that are extremely important and honorable to your family and God. But to just watch TV all day or to be sloth-like is a sin. As you think for yourself, are you hating your job Mondays because you truly dislike the work you do or because you're desiring something that is the temptation in combat of working, that God never intended for us to be sloth-like. If that's you, push yourself. 
push yourself to change your perspective and find fulfillment in living out God's intention for us to work. Which gets to our next thing we're going to look at. And it's another thing of changing your perspective. Not only on your, the reason to find desire for work, but also your mindset on who you work for. It's, the second point is, you work for the Lord, not man. You work for the Lord, not man, as a Christian person. Colossians 2, 23 to 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you embrace that you work for the Lord and not a man or men or women, a job you hate instantly becomes a little less difficult. If we go back to Nehemiah, although he worked for a king, he knew his work was for God. He did his job well, and it led to an opportunity to have amazing things granted to him. When you change your mindset of serving God on your Mondays, your 8 to 5 or whatever it is, you're instantly given purpose, and purpose can get you through. If you're a follower of God, you have a greater job description than what you agreed upon at your place of employment. You maybe saw the job description, but if you're a Christian, you got a whole other list because God wants you to witness. God wants you to love. He wants you to forgive. He wants you to turn the other cheek. It's a calling for life. Christians are to serve God in the work they do. And how we are to do that is having it become natural like to us. I mean, we do this with lots of other things. Uh, us as Midwesterners, who's like a natural, like, born Midwesterner? All right, most of you, hopefully. Oh, I don't really care, but, like, I'm guessing, I'm assuming. Uh, us Midwesterners, it's just ingrained in us to be a bit nicer. It's called Midwest nice. Who's heard of it before? Midwest nice, yeah. We're Midwest nice. To be a bit more polite. It's like part of who we are here as Wisconsinites. Check it out. Here's a little clip that kind of shows some of the things we're willing to do. Oh, Tom, how are you? Yeah, no, I just had a couple hours between taking Bill to the airport and helping Frank move. So I figured, you know, I was already cutting my lawn. Why not just cut your lawn, too? Hey there. Hello. Howdy. Hey, James. How are we doing today, Jim? Old four-way stop. Yeah. Go on. Come on now. Go on. Go on. Come on. Oh, what do we got here? Oh, we got a guy coming. Hang on. Put her in reverse. Okay. There you go. Who's been there at that four-way stop? All right, come on. You go. Yep. We're just nice. Just like being nice, though, is part of kind of being a Wisconsin person. Working with forgiveness, grace, and care is part of being a follower of God. Where do you need to embrace that and how you work? Do you need to change your mindset about your coworkers and see how purpose, joy, and excitement can be given to you when you treat them with love, forgiveness, and respect in a way that no one else treats them? You're given the opportunity to, to treat them that way. And that's an amazing opportunity. It's purposeful to God. Do you maybe need to see that, that the work you do, instead of it seeing it as like this time filler or a way to just have financial gain with, but see it as a place to fulfill God's calling for you, to serve him by serving his people, serving your boss, serving the customer, serving your coworkers. This sounds a bit weird, but I'm a bit envious of the opportunity people have that, that 
are not in ministry. I, I work in ministry. I work for a church, and it's, it's cool, but uh, for me as a pastor, I'm really only around people who are already connected to God. They already are connected to a church, or they're semi-close to God, or uh, they, they have a relationship with God. I work in an office pretty much by myself most of the time. I don't really have natural interactions with people that are not followers of God. For them to see my character, my values, my beliefs in my work, they just don't see that. And in my role, when I do actually have an opportunity for that, it's like super expected. People are expecting it of me. They're like, instead of like when I like forgive someone easily, they're like, you're a pastor, you should have forgave me like three weeks ago. You know, like you're a pastor, you should know these things. Like uh, there's this higher expectation in a sense. For you, you have an amazing opportunity to model that without expectation, besides the expectation of you as a Christian. No matter what your role is, you have an amazing opportunity to serve God, not just man, not just man. The third thing that Nehemiah did that can help us find meaning in our work is discover God's purpose for where you are and then commit to fulfilling that. Discover God's purpose for where you are and then commit to fulfilling that. Nehemiah's meh, position or meh job got him close to the king that position granted his request to rebuild walls it got him access to the supplies he needed and then he became the governor of judah of god's people like it says here like for the entire 12 years that i was governor of judah it's implying he's the governor nehemiah whether he knew god's purpose for him or not while he was in the midst of his meh job i don't know but he did commit to a role that kept him on track to fulfill what opportunities he had. Did he have rough stretches, hatred for Mondays, or was everyone in a spot wondering, why am I here? I want to say absolutely, as we all do. But as you think about you, what do you think God's purpose is for where you are today? And then, are you or have you committed to fulfilling that purpose? For you, is it, maybe, you, maybe it's the one we just talked about. Maybe it's about serving God in your work and serving your coworkers, your boss, your customers by representing God with grace, forgiveness, love, and care. Maybe, maybe it's for you to learn a character trait better, and that's why you're in this position. You need to learn respect, hard work, perseverance, appreciation, honesty, leadership. Maybe for you, it's, it's to have an experience that you need to have to get you prepared for another experience. Maybe it's for, uh, you're in the spot right now to just understand people better. I don't want to take frustration of a job lightly, but it seems lots of times when you discover what it is or your purpose of why you're in a particular place, you're finally then like released from it, and it doesn't hold you over, and you can find joy in it. Discover what that thing is and commit to fulfilling it. I want to share a little bit of my journey of, of how I've gotten to where I am today to just get you thinking about yourself and your own job. For me, I, uh, I grew up in an entrepreneur household where my parents were small business owners. So I learned hard, self-led work is necessary to get stuff done. I then worked where, uh, where I had to deal with customer service uh, at a marina uh, on Green Lake with boat rentals, and I learned how to handle clients and customers well. I went to school to be a teacher, so my degrees in education and Spanish, I learned how to teach and I learned how to speak Spanish. Well, my first ministry opportunity was leading mission trips to Spanish-speaking countries. That was amazing. I then taught teens. I, I had an opportunity to be a part of a youth group, and I learned that attention spans are, sport, are short for teens. 
So I learned how to be engaging with my teaching. That's something I learned. I became a youth pastor, and I ran a, a Wednesday night service or ministry with almost 100 teens every week. And I had to learn structure, service planning, speaking. I then led multiple outreach events and had to learn how to create fun events that people actually want to come to. And then I church planted. I church planted and kind of all those skills kind of intertwined in it. But not only that, like when I did the cleaning business, I also had to learn that quality and cleanliness are important to people. All those things kind of came together to shape where I'm at today. Did I know in these moments that these were exactly God's purposes for why I was there? No. But the lessons, whether I liked them in the moment or not, were very helpful for today, for where I'm at today. When I could find the thing that I want to become better at, or the thing that I learned that I needed to, to learn about in a particular role, I felt I just needed to embrace it and then deal with it. And then in that, I was able to now see the outcome of it at the end. It made work and going through it not so miserable when I embraced that. For you, what is that for you? How are you seeking God's purpose for where you are in committing to fulfill that? Do you need to maybe just sit and be reflective on the opportunities you have at work? Do you need to embrace a challenge because you think this challenge is exactly what you're going to need in the future? Do you need to learn how to deal with people who act a particular way so you are going to be darn well Midwest nice to them? Whatever it is for you, discover God's purpose for where you are and then commit to fulfilling that. Which brings us to the last thing that Nehemiah did that we can do to find meaning in our work. And it's know that you will end up somewhere on purpose when you seek God's vision for your life. So I'm going to spoil a little bit of Nehemiah's story and wrap it up a little bit for you. For the future weeks, we'll, we'll continue to talk about it. But Nehemiah, he felt God push him to rebuild this wall around Jerusalem. So he went. He went. He led it. Did he have the amazing plan of how he was going to do it? Not really. Not really. The guy didn't have a great plan of how he was going to do it, who was going to build it, and all that. He just went. And it, it, you can see, he had high priests and other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors building the wall. He had pastors build the gates. Priests build the gate. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We're not trained to do that. We're not trained to do that. Don't let me work on your house. I'm not trained to do those type of things. Yet Nehemiah was seeking God's vision for his life. So he pursued it. He got pastors or whoever he could to build it and ended up leading the people as governor. For you, know that you will end up somewhere on purpose when you seek God's vision for your life. Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer for years, but continued to seek God's purpose for his life. His seeking brought him into this role of work with purpose and meaning. I think the greatest point you can leave with today is the tension of that. If you seek God's vision for your life, you're going to end up somewhere on purpose. Seeking God's vision, and what should, it's, it's what should direct you in all things. Lots of us, we wander around without vision at times. I'm not here to say, like, which vision is right or which vision's wrong or what, what vision of work you should do. But what do you think God's vision for your life is for where you are currently at? 
Next week, we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about how exactly you can find God's vision for your life and help you find work that you actually love. But for right now, I want you to think, what is God's vision for your current work or life to get you to a place on purpose? As I'm getting close to wrapping up here, I want to share a little story about how this kind of hit home for me. And it doesn't necessarily deal with work, but I think you can see some parallels to it. Uh, Here at church, Fridays are my day off. That's my day off that I take. Um, And my wife, she's a teacher. So it's just me and my little daughter, Eliza, on Fridays. I'm a newer dad, so Fridays used to just be Aaron's day. They were amazing and productive. I got so much done around the house, so many projects completed, the house was clean, dinner prepped, like everything, I worked out, I had everything set for Sydney when she came home, it was awesome, I pampered my wife, I honestly, I felt God gave me those days to refuel and to really treat my wife well. Well, then it all of a sudden changed into Eliza and Daddy's Day. I was very disappointed on my Fridays. I was not accomplishing anything or anything even close to what I used to. And Eliza, she wasn't super happy either about cleaning all the time, about spending two hours in the Menards lumberyard. Like, she just was not into that. No one was happy. I wasn't happy. She wasn't happy. And I had this moment where I realized my vision for the day, it's all off. It's off. It's changed. It's not what it used to be. It's not Aaron's day. It's now Aaron and Eliza's day. I used to think I had an amazing God-given purpose for my Fridays, caring for my mental health, caring for my wife, and I still do those things. The vision of the Friday now, though, it's just changed. It's had a shift a bit. Now, I found, I've, I've found purpose in different type of work on those days, and that purpose is connecting, teaching, spending time with my daughter, I have a vision to help her both see the Christ-like characteristics in my life, in me, that hopefully she'll embrace one day. Not having a day to just get stuff done, that's not what Friday's about anymore. It's now about me spending time with her and, and teaching her who God is. And that's what my Fridays are about. Now the reason I tell you this is not to brag about how cute my daughter is or show you a cute picture, but I think it's so similar in our work. We are used to maybe one particular purpose or have in mind what our purpose is, but what if the purpose has changed? What if the vision for work needs to change? How is God's vision for your current workplace bringing you and others purpose? What mindset shift do you need to have for your current workplace? You will end up somewhere on purpose when you seek God's vision for your life. As I wrap up today, I hope you can see that you can find purpose in all work. All work, whether you love or hate your job. For you today, what do you need to apply and have not just be head knowledge, but have be something that changes and really actively is involved in your life? For you, maybe you need to remind yourself that God created us with work in mind. You need to combat laziness and find that working or serving is fulfilling to God. Maybe you need to just change your perspective uh, and see you work for the Lord, not man, not humans. You have a calling to your workplace to represent Jesus well. Forgive, care, support, love, give grace to people at work. Know that you have such an opportunity with that. Maybe you need to discover God's purpose for where you are and then commit to fulfilling that. Discover what God wants you to learn uh, in that specific situation, where you are, and then dive really into doing that. Or finally, maybe maybe you need to know that when you pursue something, 
or when you are going after something on purpose, you're going to end up somewhere on purpose. Where do you need to seek that vision for your life? If you're a Christian person, God's vision for life should be your vision. How exactly you do that, though, is what you need to wrestle with and pursue with God. Again, we're going to talk more about that next week. But as you hear these things, you might be thinking, I want that purpose. I want that purpose more than just worth work. I want that calling to, to represent God well in all things. If that's you, know God wants you to be a part of his family and to give you that. And not only that, he wants to give you an entire life perspective of that, of peace, of purpose, of direction. If you've never embraced God's calling before, it starts by you saying in your head and your heart that you want to follow Jesus, you want to follow his ways. You know you've done wrong, but you trust Jesus' act of dying on the cross is what makes you right, and that his guidance can give you purpose and meaning and have our life matter and our Mondays matter. I'm going to pray a prayer where you can accept that and say that to God, that you want those things. I'm also going to pray that we find purpose in our jobs where we're currently at. If you want either of those, th- those things, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us uh, an example of Nehemiah, of seeing how even in the meh-type jobs, we can find purpose, we can find meaning, we can know that our work matters. So God, we just pray that you help us Whether it's a job we hate or we love, we just pray that you continue to fulfill us and help us find fulfillment in the job that we're currently doing. God, uh, some of us, we we really want your vision. We want to know why we're in a particular place. So God, make that evident to us. And then God, some of us are saying we want your vision for life, uh, not just at work, but in our entire life. We're saying we want to accept you. We want you to lead our, our life. We want to embrace the calling of sharing forgiveness, love, and grace. And God, we know that we've done wrong, but we know that uh, through you, we can be accepted. So Jesus, we ask these things in your name.